to another episode of One of Us is a Filmmaker podcast. Welcome, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. I'm keeping up my Lebanese snickets. Hello. Uh, <laughs> need to get that in every time. Um, yes. How are you doing? It's very hot today. It is very warm. It's yeah. like 30 degrees. Yeah. It's we've, melting. We've already been outside, had a nice little walk, and then had a nice little film watching sesh. Yes. And now we're here. Exactly. So. Had our usual coffee at the at Gale's. Yes, that's true. I'm, and talked about podcast stuff. Yeah, and it's very exciting. We have our little business meetings yeah. uh, at, at Gales. It's our thing now. It's our thing, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, But we've got uh, an exciting episode today, which we potentially kind of briefly mentioned in the last series, I think. It was conceived during the episode recording, I think. Yeah, it was conceived, and uh, here we are. Here we are. We're going to be debating mm. the Roald Dahl movie adaptations, Great. whether they are good or bad. Yes, excellent. I mean, a lot of the Roald Dahl films are quite nostalgic for us. Oh, very nostalgic. And mm. we're keeping it to the films that are nostalgic for us. So, for example, you might know that there was a recent Witches movie mm. with Anne Hathaway. There was a BFG remake in 2016. Mm-hmm. Or actually, it wasn't a remake. It was a live action. The yeah. old one's animation. And then we had... Matilda the Musical, obviously. Of course. Very recently. Which we watched together. We did watch that. Uh, But we're not going to be talking about those. No. We're going back to the old days. But um, before we dive in, Mm. just have a little catch up. What have you seen recently? Anything you liked or disliked? Yeah, so uh, what did I see lately? I saw, oh, Spider-Man. I wasn't particularly fond of Across the Spider-Verse, unfortunately. Um, I wrote a little review about it. Uh, (laughs) And it seemed to be quite a controversial opinion because a lot of people liked it. But you love throwing out these controversial opinions. Well, we love it. I just sometimes I need to make sure that for people aren't getting too taken by mm. another superhero film just right. because it's a superhero film, you know. Yeah. I feel like there's this mentality of like, oh, it's like Spider Man superhero film, so it's going to be great and fun. Mm. I don't know, and I don't, I didn't think like that. No. But what about you? What have you seen? Well, the only thing I can think that I watched recently that I remember very clearly is. Old, which we watched uh, oh dear. the other week. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, we, I got my little review of that in as well on uh, Letterboxd. Go check that out, everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. I'm not Shyamalan. Yeah, it's, it's annoying because his films, like, there's always an interesting concept. I really love, like, really cool concepts and conceptual films. It's just sometimes the execution's a bit lacking. I think he's allowed to go a bit ahead of himself in his films. Mm. I think someone needs to reel him in a bit. Yeah. Like that, um, what was that film where he just went absolutely nuts. The one with Rihanna and the, the space... the space. Well, that's not his film. No, 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 I know. Oh, right. I'm saying it's similar. That was similar. Luc Besson. Yeah, that, it was like Luc Besson. No one kind of said, hold on a second, Luc, <laughs> let's let's reel it back in a bit. This yeah. is a bit nuts. What's that movie called? Ve- Ven- Ven- no, not Ventura. It's like... <laughs> v- 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 Ventura. Valerian, that's, that's it. That's it. I knew it was a V. The planet of the something. <laughs> something of the planets. It was... Uh, something we don't really need to go into. Yeah, Cara <laughs> Delevingne. Yes, I remember watching that together. Me and Juggy do like to watch kind of not bad movies, but movies which are kind of controversial. Like we watched Cats together. Oh, God. Just... I couldn't finish that. It was funny. Uh, was it funny? It. <laughs> the best performance was Ian McKellen singing oh, solo. Well. Everything else about that film just made me wonder why why it existed. Yeah, but it's just, at least it's entertaining, you know, a bad film. I felt like Cats was one of those bad films where it wasn't so bad, it was entertaining, it was just bad. Aw. I found a chuckle here and there, mostly at the CGI, but... (laughs) Yeah, but that's... Yeah. Never mind. I mean, these aren't Roald Dahl films, so... No, uh, no, but Roald Dahl does, like, a bit of weird and wacky... He does. ...stuff in his storytelling. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everyone in England, we grew up on Roald Dahl at school. Mm -hmm. As in, we read books in class all the time. I watched a lot of these movies when I was a kid. Mm. And, yeah, it's very nostalgic. Famously, he pretty much disliked every movie adaptation that was done. Right. I, (laughs) I guess, you know, if he thinks he's creating his own world... He doesn't want someone else to reimagine it. Yeah. So whether it's good or not, mm. to him, it's just like, go away, do your own thing. But also adaptations of any book ever, you have such creative license to sort of take from it and take inspiration from it. But you mm. don't need to follow it to the letter. And obviously as an author, that's probably a bit frustrating at times. Yeah. But I mean, that's why it's like being a screenwriter, even, you know, screenplays or the novel or whatever you're adapting. That's like the blueprint for the film. And actually it's the director's the director's medium not the writer's Mm. so it's going to become whatever the director interprets 
the story or the script mm. or the characters or the narrative as. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not everyone's going to like it. Yeah. And also, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but doesn't the writer have to give the rights to film studios to be able to make their films? Yes, yeah. So if they didn't want their films to be made, their books to be made into films, then don't give anyone the rights? But you get a lot of money for it. Well, then, but then Roald Dahl's <laughs> complaining about people making films of his books, but yeah. he I mean, decided to give you, up them. But if you give the rights to a filmmaker or a studio or whatever, mm. you, maybe you just hope it's going to be done well, or maybe they say we'll make it with this filmmaker. So interestingly... Roald Dahl wrote the screenplay for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, he, the original one? Yeah, but he hated the film. He just hated the direction uh, and the songs that were put in it and all these But things. if he hasn't liked any of his adaptations that he'd seen... Uh, he liked one. Oh, did he? He liked the animation BFG. He oh, well, like all right. Well, well, pretty good. <laughs> you know? I mean, actually, because um, Roald Dahl... I can't remember the name of the artist in his books, but the... Quentin Blake. Quentin Blake, that's it. I mean, he's iconic. Mm-hmm. And and I think, I, I guess, when Roald Dahl was seeing something on screen, he probably the whole time was comparing it to what Quentin Blake did for his books, you know? Like, oh, yeah, possibly. He, he he probably loved that style and then was thinking, you know, other stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Quentin Blake was his, his partner in terms of a, a cartoonist. He did mm. a lot of the iconic drawings mm. on uh, his front covers. Yeah. Uh, but Roald Dahl, you know, he's an interesting man. He obviously is a novelist. Mm-hmm. He was a screenwriter said he wrote that Willy Wonka screenplay. Mm-hmm. He also wrote one of my other favourite films, one of my favourite musicals, actually. Which is? Chee Chee Bang Bang. He wrote oh, a screenplay he? for that. Yes, he did. I didn't realise he He also that. wrote the screenplay for a Bond film, I want to say. And he's obviously a novelist. And he also was a fighter pilot back in the war times. Yeah, that's what um, Flying Solo life. is all about. Ah. He wrote, I, it was autobiographical, pretty much. I don't, I don't think I read that one. I think I was a bit older. I remember reading part of it in year six, but it's not a particularly interesting one. Like, because it's somewhat autobiographical, Mm. it's not creative in the way that his other books were. The books I remember reading the most are Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Really? Yeah. Ah, I remember Fantastic Mr. Fox the most. I don't really remember any of the other books much, but I didn't read that much as a kid, to be honest. I, I, I distinctly remember reading the Roald Dahl books a lot, S.O. Trot, mm-hmm. um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, as I said, even James and the Giant Peach I remember reading. I think I remember reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but not Great Glass Elevator, not oh. really. And then, as I said, Flying Solo we read in class. I read, as I said, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and then Great Glass Elevator, pretty much in class, I remember. Yeah. And then we, I'm sure we read the, the Twitches at some point. But is that what they're called? No. Which? No, the Twits. Twits. That's the other one I That's was thinking That's the Twits. Of. I think I read I, re- I read Twits a lot, yeah. But like I was as a kid, if I could watch the movie version of it, I totally would, <laughs> instead of reading. It's yeah. really bad. I'm a writer, screenwriter, um, but, but I don't like reading. I'm not very good at reading, that's it. I, I like reading when I'm on holiday, when I've got like nothing else to do. Mm. When the laptop's not there, yeah. when, you, when, the, when the, the games aren't there, you know, then you're like, actually, now I have some time for reading. Though I'm kind of the same, like I'm a writer and I like reading some things, but I don't really read fiction much. But as a kid, I did read fiction, yeah, but I didn't write anything. I didn't write. So I, I kind read of fiction as well. Yeah, I, I, I. But Roald Dahl's books, I distinctly remember reading them. He's got a lot of dark humor in there. Yeah, definitely. And I think actually the best films on the list are the ones that really match that level of humor and dark comedy. Mm-hmm. So let's dive in. Let's start with the... Yeah, let's go for it. Let's start with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory slash Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. So not to be confused, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is the 1971... The OG. ...film that was directed by Mel Stewart, mm-hmm. screenplay by Roald Dahl. Right. And Gene Wilder played the iconic titular character, yeah. Willy Wonka. I think that's British staple. Mm. You know, like Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, that is ingrained in the popular conscience yeah absolutely and everyone probably knows that there was a remake or uh, another adaptation in 2005 directed by tim burton mm. with johnny depp in it yeah and that's called charlie and the chocolate factory which is actually the name of the, the, the original <laughs> name yeah, yeah of course. so willy wonka and the chocolate factory did stray quite a lot from the original mm. uh, obviously it focuses more on willy wonka hence his name being in the title and everything mm-hmm. and there are quite a few differences with the story and some of the character choices and things like that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Roldar did not like it. 
He was but not he, happy. But he wrote the, the screenplay for that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, and but that, it's interesting because I, I wonder how much the final form yeah. of the film really changed from what he'd envisaged, envisaged in the screenplay itself rather than the book, the actual screenplay. I'm surprised he was so unhappy with it if he was had a large part in writing it. <laughs> well, the screenplay also has another person credited, David uh, Seltzer. So I wonder if Roald Dahl maybe wrote the original screenplay and then David, you know, came in and changed things, yeah. etc. which happens a lot in the movie business. You know, you write mm. screenplay, they'll get another writer on it to change it, which is why, as I say, as a screenwriter, if, you, if you're, you know, you want your film to be exactly what's on the page, it's just not going to happen. Do you feel Unless like, you direct it yourself. Do you feel like sometimes you shouldn't get too attached to what you write? It's, it's so hard to tread the line because you have to be passionate and care and really be excited about your story that you're mm. telling and the characters. But then you have to have this awareness that when you sell a screenplay, you know, it becomes the director's. You know, mm. it doesn't become yours anymore. Mm. So you kind of have to... Yeah, that's just part of the screenwriting life you have to be okay with. Changes and adaptations to what you do. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's a collaborative process filmmaking. Right. It's never going to be... If you, if you don't want someone to touch your work, as the thing it is, become a novelist, you know. Yeah. You have editors, but it's not the same as a director coming in and can mm. really change and, you know, elevate it, yeah. hopefully, but sometimes it, not elevate it yeah. so much. Right. So what do, what do you think of uh, the Gene Wilder? What's, what's, what's your memory? It's imprinted. We had it on video. And we, mm. Or maybe it was, like, recorded on tape, as in I don't think we had a copy, but I think it was, like, recorded from television. Back in the days, kids were here to do that. <laughs> VHS tape. Classic. Recorded it. Yeah. And I actually remember this first version of Try and Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory. Mm. I think it's definitely way more scary. Mm. It's really, ho- like, a horror feel about it. And you don't trust Gene Wilder at all. Yeah. He's, uh, but he plays it very naturalistically, which I do really like. Yeah. Which is very different to how Johnny Depp plays it, which is mm. something obviously to... We can go into later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently, again, Roald Dahl really hated the portrayal that Gene Wilder did. Mm. But I really liked Gene Wilder and it's very iconic. And I just constantly would remember certain scenes from the movie and they just come back as flashes still. Yeah. You know, the one where they go into the boat. Mm-hmm. That is so freaky. That's like a horror film. He's like, we're going faster and we don't stop going. Yeah. And there's like images flashing in the sides of this dark tunnel. The boat's like, whizzing through. like this weird dystopian hysteria. Like, it's like bugs being squished yeah, and it's... people. And it's like, ugh. What is this meant to be a kid's film? <laughs> also, it has nothing to do with chocolate. Like, like I, I mean, they, one of the characters goes, this isn't chocolate. Yeah. Say, they say something on the boat and you're like, yeah, what is going on here? I mean, maybe that's what Roald Dahl was saying. He was like, I don't really understand some of the artistic choices. But as a film, I think it works. Yeah. Um, another section that I always remembered was when they, they do do the bubble thing and they start floating mm. and they're floating above the massive spinning fan. Right. And they have to like keep hiccuping mm-hmm. to keep floating back up. I see. And that always gave me nightmares as a kid. I'd imagine sort of floating over a massive spinning fan mm. and I'd be chopped to pieces if I get to the bottom. I, I always feel a bit sad because I know I watched it a lot as a kid, but I don't really remember it that well. And I I think I don't remember it that well because I have the other one imprinted yeah. in my brain so strongly. And that's why um, we're including the other one because it is nostalgic for, for Orion. Yeah. And I mean, me too. I mean, yeah, exactly. I see it in the cinema and things. But I do genuinely think that the 1971 is a good film. Yeah. There's things about it that I actually do prefer in the new one, I would say. Right. Uh, but the film as a whole and Gene Wilder's performance, I really do much prefer. Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's like I said, like when people think of, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, at least in England, you know, I don't know about anywhere else, but in England, like Gene Wilder, that's... The one that comes to mind. The one that comes to mind, you know, and, and you have the... Um, Start talking about them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like even just the music from it is so like iconic. It is so iconic. I was me and Diggy were talking earlier about it, and I was just saying I haven't seen that film in a long time, Mm -hmm. like as a whole film. But I remember the Oompa Loompa song, yeah, and like even the lyrics, like not just the Oompa Loompa bits, like all the other things. Yeah, like what do you do if your child's a brat? Blah 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 blah, Mm. and. Yeah, why is that stuck in my head? In comparison to the songs that they do in the new one, which is probably one of my main gripes about the new one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 
I think Gene Wilder and the film as a whole, and the Oompa Loompas particularly, <laughs> is better in the original. Yeah. And I think it is a good film. Some of the music in the original is great, like we're saying, the Oompa Loompa songs, mm -hmm. and just the world of pure imagination. I mean, that's such a... That's a song that's almost transcended yeah. time. You know, like, that is... Again, that's what I mean, is, is I'm trying to hit home this point, is like... There are moments and things from that film. But even if you haven't seen it for a long time. Yeah, you, even if you. you haven't seen it for a long Even if you haven't seen it, people probably know that in a world of... Like, yeah. it's just, just known. It's so pervasive in our culture. We just know it now. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a really nice um, story that June Wilder said that when he got offered the role from the director, he said, I'll do the part, but only if I can do this bit at the beginning where... So Willy Wonka comes out and he's got a limp and uses a cane mm. and then he drops the cane and there's a moment where he freezes and then he does a somersault and stands up. And Gene Wilder like, pitched that to director and said, I want to do that at the start of the film when I'm first introduced because you just never know if Willy Wonka's lying or not from that first act. Right. And the director was like, sure, if we're going to get you to do the film, well, let's put it in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, those are, that's a demonstration of how the film process is collaborative. You know, screenwriter didn't write that, mm. but the actor's choice mm. and the director agreeing with that choice, that's what happens in the film. Mm. So Roald Dahl might have watched that and been like, I don't write that. What on earth is that? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> I yeah. don't like that. <laughs> but I suppose it makes sense. You, you, want to, you want to do something where you establish early on a character trait without saying it you want oh, exactly. to visually it. get it across so i guess jim wilder's thinking was okay well across the screenplay i'm seeing that you know you can't really trust him let's put something in where this audience immediately thinks huh he's a bit strange he's a bit off yeah like off kilter off kilter yeah uh, well well but well, there you go would you say it's a good or oh, a bad yeah. thing? oh good um, this is not even a question that is you're in the good camp yeah of course i'm in the good camp i mean it was it it was the first adaptation made Yes, I think so. I think it was the first film adaptation made. I mean, and they did a heck of a job. They did a heck of a job. So, yeah, good. Well, let's complain. Complain. <laughs> let's not complain about it. I don't even can complain about it. I meant let's compare yeah. the uh, 2005 Tim Burton, mm. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I remember seeing this in the cinema. Absolutely. I think one of the strengths of this movie is the child casting. Oh, yeah. Freddie Highmore as Charlie is... I actually think all the kids are better in the new one than the old one, probably, mm -hmm. I'd say. I think it they get also... given more interesting stuff yeah. as well, you know? It's like... more stylized yeah. and they have more clear character traits, I'd say, even, mm -hmm. yeah. and character moments mm -hmm. than they do in the original. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you have um, anna Sophia Robb, who's a... There's loads of things that we watched when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, gosh, oh, can't talk about that. That's the most That's a movie throwback back we might have to uh, yeah. explore. As That's a, very upsetting, that film. Yeah. Um, but she's been in loads and, you know... Is it oh, she's great. Actually? Yeah, she's really good. Yeah. Really like her. And then, as I said, Freddie Highmore as Charlie. Mm -hmm. And he's just such a good actor. Mm -hmm. Like, as a kid, it's we talk about this a lot. It's hard to get great child actors. Oh, yeah. And Freddie Highmore just has such a earthy gravitas to everything he does. It's, it's almost quintessentially British. Yes. You know, and, and and I think, because obviously the new Charlie and Chocolate Factory, I say new, 2005, mm. was, um, it was an American film, really. Well, it's American filmmakers, but... But that's what I mean, it's American filmmakers, but like, it's it's amazing how they translated so much of, the, of a British essence in it. Yeah. You know, because I think, maybe this is controversial, but like, I think American filmmakers often struggle to really capture British essence, and I think... Actually, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory does that quite well, mm. especially just sort of, you know, Charlie in his little house with his family and his, you know, grandparents all sitting in the bed. It's a very, I, you know, I mean, we watched this fairly recently and, and I just remember thinking, like, this is such a tiny Tim from, uh, what's it called? Uh, Christmas Carol yeah. story, you know? Yeah, it's really good. And this is what's kind of frustrating about this film. There's like elements about it I really like, especially the design. I really like the bucket house. Mm -hmm. I like the town. I kind of like this. It's sort of the new aesthetics hidden within a sort of old feeling aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. But then actually a lot of the elements within the chocolate factory itself I don't like. Mm. Like I actually don't really like. Like when the doors open in uh, the Dune Wilder ones and you're just in this like magical place. Yeah. I always feel like the one in the new one just feels like too um, 
Saturated is the wrong word. I think... No, word, like fake. I would call it synthetic. That is the word I was looking for. Thank I you very much. I think synthetic is the is the. It feels too synthetic, it. the new yeah. one. And, like, the whole world outside with the bucket house and even just the rappers and seeing the little bits into the other characters' houses, you know, the other mm. children that get picked. Mm. It still felt quite real yeah. and dynamic. And even though this, this world of the Chocolate Factory is meant to be the most dynamic, exciting thing kind of feels a bit flat for me yeah i think it does feel a bit flat i also think uh in the charlie and charlie and the chocolate factory it felt almost like a a whole thing was a bit rushed and we didn't actually get to explore that much of the factory i I don't know why for me i just felt like oh they kind of go through that initial bit where augustus gloop gets taken sucked up by the tube and then they're just in the other places. It's true, yeah, yeah. They just kind of they just kind of in the next place and like. That's oh. true. They do take. I feel like they do take more time in the old one to show you different rooms for sure, and you know just different elements of the building itself. Like I remember, you know, there's the bit where they lick the wallpaper that tastes of the different fruit. Yeah. And I was when I was a kid, I was, I was like, I wish I had wallpaper like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you do see more when they're in the glass elevator and washing around, but that. But that is not. No, just and I guess that's all definitely CGI'd and animated, exactly. so you don't have that real world feeling about it. Yeah, it Whereas, is. Yeah. Yeah, you're so right. Mm. You're so right. I think I think what they were trying to do was with the Oompa Loompa songs, the oh, new no. songs. I oh, think no. I think that was their way of like extending your experience of that section, but it doesn't feel to me like you're experiencing that that room or that area. It just feels like oh, I'm watching some weird song. I know. I, I really like... So the thing is, I really like the score that Danny Elfman's done in the new Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Well, Danny Elfman's classic. I it? like the score. It's great. But mm. then these songs that... I don't know. I just... I think my problem with the songs is that unlike the original where they have oompa, loompa, and they use that as the motif whenever yeah, they sing like about the kid. Yeah, yeah, whenever they sing about the kid going off and, you know, getting their justice reward of, uh, <laughs> you know, being turned into a blueberry or whatever mm. it is. For this, all the songs are individual... And they all also have, like, a musically very different. Yeah. They're, like, kind of pastiche on uh, the Beatles yeah, or goes, Beach Boys or it whatever goes from, it is. like, Beach Boys rock, to Beatles to, like, rock. 70s to, like, 80s. Well, not quite 80s, but, yeah, you're right. It's all a bit weird. It's, I just, I kind of don't really get, I don't think the choice of doing that works in the film. No. For me. And it makes the Oompa feel just really silly mm. and pointless. Yeah. Whereas they're not, in the original one, they felt menacing. Yeah. Even obviously they look kind of silly, they have bright green hair. Yeah. But actually the song and kind of the movement and the uniformity of it, I felt. Yeah made it more menacing. And, and Whereas the new one, even though obviously it's the same actor playing all the different employees, they still feel quite individual. And in the songs, they're randomly popping up, different positions, wearing different costumes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it doesn't have a menacing feeling yeah. for me. And I think there's also like a slight imbalance of um, dedication to each thing. So while in, the, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I feel like overall the aesthetic is more diverse and more interesting like of each of the rooms and all of that i i think some of them get given much more attention and interest like like i think mike tv's one is really cool with the sort of sci-fi whole white t- television thing i think that's really cool but then in um uh oh what's the one who gets taken by the squirrels what's the name Baruch Assault. Baruch Assault, thank you in her one it's all a bit bland the just the room and the whole vibe is a bit bland and it's over quite quickly and i'm like oh that's not as cool as all the other ones. I don't know. It felt like a bit imbalanced there. I think I did prefer the Veruca Salt one actually from the new one instead of the sort of Golden Goose sing-along one from the old one. But I definitely, I remember we were watching the new Chai and Chocolate Factory and I said to you, oh, I much prefer the Mike TV bit from the old one. Really? I just remember, yeah, I just remember loving it so much from the old one. Yeah. Whereas the new one, it's just, it's kind of, it's quite similar, but I just remember the old one feeling like, very iconic at that moment. Yeah. But anyway, I think the big sort of thing we haven't commented on is Johnny Depp's performance as Mr. Wonka. Yeah, I mean, he, that's the, the big thing people notice, really. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Johnny Depp. It's yeah, it's... In. The thing is, he did sort of model it on the Michael Jackson, and that's just not... I mean, at, at the time, even, I just thought, this is a very uncomfortable feeling, and I can't get over the voice, the way he uses his voice in it, and I get what okay. they were... <laughs> I get what they are trying to do in that he's, he's a sort of... He's never grown up as a child, and I was saying earlier to Jiggy about how I understand they really took out the saturation of his skin tone, so it's quite a grey look, yeah. and they're trying to imply that, you know, he's never really left this chocolate factory for so many years and kind of a hermit in that way. Mm. But 
for me, it just doesn't quite work. I think that the, the problem is sometimes, I think the, within the character and the portrayal itself, it's incoherent. So there's sometimes where he's acting out of character, but actually it works. But mm-hmm. then there's sometimes where he's acting in that kind of character that you don't like, which doesn't work. Yeah. And, and I think even maybe Johnny Depp himself was a bit confused about what he was trying to do, or maybe the writers were confused or the direction was confused. Like something about it didn't, feel very coherent to me so while there are bits of Johnny Depp's performance I really like like not I said, no not overall there's that line he says which I I mentioned before where with the again the Veruca Salt bit and he's like oh my she is a bad nut <laughs> you know like, I really like there's like bits like that that I think oh that's really funny like that's yeah. a good bit I think that's the difference it's like Dean Wilder is consistent in his film yeah and the portrayal of Willy Wonka in the new film, as I said, whether that's Johnny Depp's performance or the way it's written or just the choices from the director or whoever, mm-hmm. it didn't quite land for me overall. Uh, also, sadly. in the new one, he goes to the Amazon, finds an indigenous tribe and then takes over and tells them to come to work in this factory. I mean, it's a bit weird. <laughs> like, don't know about that one. But there are bits about it, like the whole backstory stuff is really cool. Again, it's like adding to the the stuff they actually put in that wasn't in a, in the original text. It's like, oh, that's a cool, unique idea that they added. So yeah. I don't think with the new one it's all bad by any means. Like, they, <laughs> they messed up, like, totally. It just feels slightly incoherent, I think, is the problem with it. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, some people really don't like the whole sort of backstory that was added in about the dad and the dentist. I like I think. That. I mean, I have a little soft spot for it, but it's only because I like—I think I like uh, Christopher Lee. <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> it's a waste of time. Yeah. Love it. He says chocolate. So it's like... Chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> I think it's because it's Christopher Lee and his performance. Yeah. I really enjoy those sections, but I, I understand sort of Roald Dahl purist, like, why is this scene in this film? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it kind of... Is this film about Charlie or is it about Willy Wonka? I know in films you can have both, but it's... Uh, confused it's a bit it's a bit all over the place yeah you know i mean um, okay so let, let's let's do it. good or bad this is really hard this one i'm gonna put it in good i'm gonna give it the benefit of the doubt <laughs> because like it it's there's good elements of it and i mm. don't want to just be like it's a bad film i think it's just slightly confused yeah it's not by any means a great film definitely not but it's good you can ha- you can sit down watch it and think that was a bit of fun yeah 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 there's probably more things that I can take from it that I appreciate about it than I really hate or dislike. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'll put it in the good camp as well. But Willy Wonka and the Chock Factory is better than better. Yeah. So we've got good, good, and then just good. And then, then just good. Okay. Just about good. Well, we've covered the Charlies then. Yeah, uh, we the have. The Chock Factory. I want to take us back then, back to the old days. Okay. And talking about a film that terrified me as a child. Oh, here we go. I think I know which one. Gave me absolute nightmares for days. Yeah. Well, I always went to a friend's house and she, like, always put it on. And I was like, why? Why, why, why? And it is The Witches, 1990. Yeah. Uh, This is directed by Nicholas Rogue, Mm. but it's Jim Henson production producer. So, you know, they use a lot of the puppets and lots of animatronics and stuff in the film. Oh, yeah. Presumably because Jim Henson's involved. Mm -hmm. And you can really tell from the aesthetic of the puppets, etc. Yeah. But... Oh my, Roald Dahl hated, hated, hated this, apparently. He wrote, apparently, a letter to Jim Henson being like, what have you done to my film? Terrible. <laughs> and Jim Henson was like, oh, sorry, I hoped we would you see the spirit in what we were trying to do. But. Did Roald Dahl have any involvement in the screenplay or not? No, I don't think so. No. I think it's only Willy Wonka he did. Okay, well... And maybe he had a bad experience with that and was just like... No. The Witches, the book, is quite funny. Mm. There are bits where, for a kid, it's, it's the descriptions are a bit creepy, but it's not... I don't think the tone is creepy of The Witches. I think it's a funny book. The tone of The Witches, the movie, is... <laughs> Terrifying. Something else. It is, isn't it's it? It's not funny at all. No. Like, it's... And despite Rowan Atkinson being in it, <laughs> for some reason, it's not very funny. <laughs> it's like this weird, like, long-running joke that him and one of the sort of um, cleaners are sort of getting it on in one of the rooms. Yeah, it doesn't make every any 10 minutes. sense. <laughs> He, like, walks out of the closet and then the woman follows him after and then the other, like, cleaner just looks at them like, huh? <laughs> and that, again, that, like, keeps going back as, like, a little thing between those two. Because uh, the cleaner at one point is like, so we'll meet up later? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Which is just funny. Um, 
But I mean, as a kid, I didn't really focus on that part. For me, it's the the really scary bit. Is it, it opens with um, the main character's grandmother telling him this story yeah. about witches and about this girl that went missing when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing, the whole story, and basically build up to this girl goes missing, you don't know where she is, and her dad is desperate to find her. Mm-hmm. And he's an artist. And then he looks at the painting he's done that's on his wall, and he sees his daughter trapped in the house that is in the painting. No, that is that, that Because I watched it... Gave me the hippie I watched it fairly recently because you were like, oh, what about the witches? And I was like, I totally forgot about the witches in ex- <laughs> as an existing film. And... And, I, like, I do... Having watched it, I was like, oh, wait, no, I do remember that bit. I do remember that bit. And when I saw that, because you were like, that terrified you, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, this is not a kid's film. What, yeah. what is this? This is actually horrifically terrifying. And there's loads of things. Like, when the one of the kids transforms into a, a mouse... It's graphic. Yeah, like, it's really graphic. And, again, the, like, uh, prosthetics they use for his face and it changes and... <laughs> Oh, it's horrible. And the bit at the end when the witch, the bad, bad witch, top witch, gets killed eventually. Yeah. She, like, again, is this creepy sort of, like, puppety rat thing that, like, spirals around and explodes. I'm just like, no wonder it terrified me as a child. Do you you not think, because this is my opinion of what the film could have done. I think it should have just leaned in to being a scary film. Mm. I think it should have just leant into that. And instead of, like being scary but also oh we're a kids film so we kind of have to try and make a joke every so often yeah i think actually if they had genuinely just taken roald doll's work and gone oh this concept is scary mm. let's 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 explore this as a as a scary movie yeah you know because they add those elements in and they are quite scary yeah and then the whole thing gets a bit ruined by this the ridiculousness of it all it's all yeah. a bit weird and just not not it's, funny, but not scary as well. So. Yeah, I get that. Like, I think a Roald Dahl film tonally can be quite hard to hit because he is dark and twisted, but then it is funny. And that's a really hard balance to get. His writing's very good. His writing's very good. And I think that actually is really hard to translate well into a movie. Mm. That's why I think, mm. I mean, apart from sort of one or two of these films that we're going to talk about, I like those two films, like, I'm solidly like, those are great films. All the other ones are like, oh, there are good bits, there are bad bits. Like, yeah. it, some of the tone isn't quite right in parts or portrayals, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like just the material is quite hard to get right for a kid's film because mm-hmm. I'm sure producers are like, these are for kids, but the material is actually quite scary, but we don't want to be too scary, so mm-hmm. let's make it funny. And that's hard to balance, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And The Witches, for me, as a kid, terrifying and uh, very disturbing, I'd say. Yeah. But having rewatched it as an adult, which we did like last week or something, yeah. we watched it. Well, because I was watching it and I sent you an image. Oh, yeah, a picture, and I started to watch and it. And then I was, I was like, look what I'm watching. <laughs> and you were like, I'm going to have to watch it now. Yeah. Because <laughs> so. I just, you know, I had the memory. I mean, Angelica Huston, who plays the main high witch. Yeah. I think she's a, she's creepy in her, you know, classic Angelica Huston way. Mm-hmm. But. I don't know. I think it's the choices of, like... And I know the character's meant to have this kind of strange, like, Bavarian accent or whatever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you witches. Yeah. Because it's written that way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it just... I don't know. I think her performance could have been better emphasised with actually not her, but better direction and mm. better uh, cinematography. Yeah, I, I think agree, they, that it's actually not her performance which mm-hmm. is bad. I think they didn't support her performance. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I said, I don't think she was bad at all. It's just mm. something that feels, again, a bit off about it. But I think it's the tone thing yeah. of just the film not having, striking the right tone. Yeah. And for me, I think The Witches goes maybe into the bad category, possibly. Yeah. I, I, oh, as a whole film... It, I think it goes into bad. the bad. Uh, that's really hard. This is like bad into good. It's like, okay. I wonder what people thought of it when it came out because I think upon reflection, it's not held up very well at all. Yeah, that's it. But but maybe when it came out, because as well, there are shots in it where like the kid runs away from the witches outside the hotel. (laughs) And I'm just looking at it like, this is the most like classic late 80s, early 90s British film. And that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. But I think what that means is it just doesn't hold up well now. Mm. So... For me, I'm going to put it in bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, there's some good things about it. But I also think Rowan Atkinson's performance in it is not great. And I also think his character's a bit useless. I think that would be the direction. Like, we were talking about Angelica. I think it's that's sort of not Rowan. I think he probably wasn't sort of directed 
what to be like whether yeah. to be like really hammy and funny or to like be kind of serious because he kind of treads this weird line in between so okay i agree actually i, I think, think the direction is bad so and that takes over the rest of everything that is good mm. unfortunately it taints all the good stuff all right we're gonna put it in bad sorry nicholas yeah i'm sure right. you've done other really good work i know there's good there's redeeming qualities about the film oh, yeah, as there right. are everything come on yeah. but just is a good mm, not quite i would mm-hmm. say okay <laughs> Well, then we're going to move up to 1996, which was a big year for Roald Dahl movies. Oh. But we're going to talk about first the one we just watched. You mean Jiggy watched this film earlier today, James and the Giant Peach. I had that on video. I watched it all the time. It's directed by Henry Selick, mm-hmm. actually produced by Tim Burton. And you'll probably know Henry Selick and Tim Burton have worked together before. So Henry Selick directed Nightmare for Christmas, which everyone always thinks Tim Burton directed, but mm. he did not. And, and that's, then, that's a cult classic, that one. Absolutely cult classic. And then Henry Selick more recently, well, recently-ish, directed Coraline but I really I even re-watching it yes it, like some of the narrative is a bit quick it, but it works for me yeah I like it the only thing is for me I don't mind it being quick I quite like that it gets on with it I do think though that the ending felt like not an ending mm. it, it just sort of just ends mm. and, and I was like oh is there any real resolution? Not I mean, really. it's only an hour ten, the movie, so yeah. it's really short. Was it, it, it wasn't made for TV or anything, was it? No, it is a feature film. Yeah, so. okay, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, Henry Selleck has an iconic look yeah, to his it's films. Yeah, his visuals are so good. It, it nails it, again. Like, it's so dark and dingy and has that Tim Burton-esque, mm-hmm. but what then really comes in is Henry Selleck's, like, animation design, and it's just so macabre and so yeah. cool you know it's it's so that that makes it I yeah think. the majority of the film is a stop motion animation and it's just really lands really well it's very iconic it's got these musical numbers in it but that i think they work really well whether that's oh, yeah. just me because i'm nostalgic about them possibly no i think but they do work well I th- yeah i really like them and mm. all the even though it's it's a very quick film the characters are established enough you know they have their personalities jump out right away which yeah. i think is because of great voice acting, yeah. and then also the great performances of um, Spiker and Sponge, oh, which yeah. is Miriam Margulies yeah. and uh, Joanna Lumley. Joanna Lumley. A funny couple. Absolutely hilarious. They're both so good in it, and creepy, and just disgusting. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great, as I, even though it's quick, everything, every scene is just like an interesting sequence. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, like the bit with the, uh, where the shark comes out. Oh, he's just And you realise... I thought it was going to be like an actual shark and then it's actually this like animatronic shark Mm -hmm. which is like made of this really rusted metal. It eats the fish and then it serves those fish heads that he didn't want to eat at the beginning. Like, you know, it's all... It all just comes together really nicely and it's just a really cool image. The inference there is that it's Spiker and Sponge in that submarine. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, they appear sort of throughout his journey in other places. There's the whole like pirate fight thing mm-hmm. underwater, which again, you, everything just used to scare me as a child in this film. Yeah, I'd still watch it. And the pirates really look like um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Like, yeah it's so it's obvious that he has this style. And I think what is really good about, you know, great filmmakers mm-hmm. is obviously you want to try new things and do different things. But actually, when you realise your style and you can carry that through different films and then people can identify with that, associate that, and they just perfect it, basically. I think he's perfected it. Yeah. Coraline is like the creme de la creme of Henry Selleck. Oh, yeah. We need to talk about Coraline at some point because that is um, good. <laughs> that's that's in the good category. <laughs> yeah. So what do we think about James and the Giant Peach? I would put it in the good category, Same. personally. Same. I think even if someone didn't necessarily like the the pacing or the narrative, I think everyone would really appreciate the visuals and how think... well that's done and filmed, actually. Mm. I think what I would call it is a great kids' film. And I don't mean that in any derogatory way at all. I mean, like, kids can watch that and be inspired and, like, identify with the cool characters and all of that. I think it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's a bit scary still. <laughs> yeah. But they, they all laugh. So I know reason. they are. They are. And that is a good one for getting the balance, actually, of that tone, mm-hmm. which is what I think that the animation helps. Yes. Because it plays up that. And just there's so many beautiful, like, the way the set is, like, painted in the backgrounds and they use a lot of, like, houses that are meant to be bigger, you're, like, small, and it really plays with this perspective on purpose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I really love cool. it. So I'm just jumping straight great back in. Great set design. Yeah, yeah, really good set design, really well designed, well animated, great performances. Happy Days is good. Yeah, good. 
Good. Good. Next well, one. In 1996, there was another. Is this Matilda? Yes. This is Matilda, yeah. Directed by Danny DeVito. We've talked a lot about Matilda in our Matilda episode. Of course, so, of course. So if you haven't heard that one and you want to hear us talk in depth about Matilda, the movie, then check that episode out for season one. Season one, episode eight, I believe. Oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, got, I it, really... got it banked in the brain. Yeah. So. Oh, no, Matilda was good because I had a lot of good impressions. I think. You know what, actually? We've, I've, we've had a lot of good feedback on that episode. Because it was fun, man. It was fun. Hilarious. It was really fun. But that's it. When you talk about films that you're nostalgic about and that you really love, can't help but not get excited. Yeah. You know? And and I mean, we could go into Matilda, but because we already have, mm-hmm. my answer for Matilda is just, it's great. Yeah. It's not even in the good camp, it's in the great camp. Yeah. No, no, no. It is fantastic. I mean... Step above. I would, I would want to just sum up in the sense that it's great characters, fantastic story, amazing dialogue, not much else... I mean, it's just great. <laughs> yeah. The cast, characters, direction, the music. Also, oh, Danny yeah, Elfman. Oh, he's everywhere, mate. He is everywhere. He loves it. Danny Elfman is prolific. <laughs> oh, I didn't mention as well in James and the Giant Peach that the music is by Randy Newman. Yeah, I know. It was a bit crazy when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. And it was that funny when we were watching it, I was laughing at the song at the end. Yeah. It was like, something in the garden. I didn't know. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then we were like, it's Randy Newman. Yeah. That's why it sounds like a Randy Newman song. <laughs> funny. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because I feel like the score is great in James Giant Peach and uh, he obviously did a very good job. Mm-hmm. You can imagine Danny Elfman scoring that as well. Yeah. For sure. It's not that all kind of crossing into films, but it's because all the films have that macabre side to it. Yeah, of course. And Tim Burton, Danny Elfman... They can pull that stuff. They must out. all work together so well. Oh yeah. Well, you wouldn't re-collaborate with people if you didn't like. No, them. of course. Um, but yeah. So Matilda in the good camp for you. Oh, come on. It's, it's up there in one of the best of the adaptations for me. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, we're we're coming to one of the last ones. Oh. Because we've already talked about trying to talk about Factory. That's true, actually. Yeah. Fantastic, Mister Fox. Mm-hmm. Two thousand and nine. Yeah. Wes Anderson. So I love Wes Anderson. In, I know you in do. general like mm-hmm. every film of his that I've seen I've thought that is at least a very good film mm-hmm. uh, some of them are not as good as others yeah but for me Fantastic Mr. Fox is the most unique take mm-hmm. on an adaptation from Roldar mm-hmm. as an adaptation from Roldar and I absolutely love it I love the animation style I think mm-hmm. that hadn't really been done before yeah properly in that way um, I like the things that they added and introduced I just love the dialogue, mm, you know, funny. and Wes Anderson's shots and his filmmaking style is so iconic and so interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it really, really good is that you look at the scenes that he's put on and actually you're just sometimes in awe. You're just like, I've not really seen this before. This is really cool. Mm-hmm. He's sort of, you know, he's very famous for his symmetrical shots. Yeah. I just really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox is great. Yeah, I really love that aesthetic. I love that animation. Mm-hmm. I think animation just serves so well Roald Dahl because you yeah. can really push things mm-hmm. into more darker but then play the humour as well. Yeah. Like James and the Giant Peach, I think, does yeah. well. The Which there. I think Fantastic Mr. Fox does amazingly as well it, yeah, because true. the whole tone is relatively dark mm-hmm. because the whole story is Foxy gets... Mm-hmm kind of everyone in trouble with the the three farmers and they're getting dug out underground. So they're, yeah. they're basically running for their lives, basically. Yeah. But then there's all these, like, really funny... The one-liners from George Clooney. Yeah. yeah. I also really like George Clooney, to be yeah. honest. I think he's one of those guys in the same as... I'd put him in the camp of Ryan Gosling, where he always has this sameness about him, mm. but actually that sameness is really good. So for me, it just translates really well. But there's also the, the bits where they have the... The rat fight with the fox. Like, it's so good. Yeah, that is really great. Yeah. There's lots of just great moments from the whole thing. Yeah. As well as it overall being a very good film. Because mm-hmm. I haven't watched loads of Wes Anderson films. Mm-hmm. I have some that I love, mm-hmm. like Grand Budapest Hotel. Great. I love Isle of Dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say I'm, like, hugely aware of all of his work mm-hmm. and I've like tried to watch some of them and haven't yeah. been able to sort of like get right into it you yeah, know yeah. Um, but Fantastic Mr Fox I think transcends if you don't know Wes Anderson or not a Wes Anderson fan mm-hmm. you can still really enjoy it regardless I think yeah probably because it is an animation and it's based on a book that we already know or yeah. are familiar with mm-hmm. uh, so I think it's actually Wes Anderson's almost most mm-hmm. commercial film in terms of 
could reach a wide audience for them to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of, you know, mm, yeah, the Tenenbaums sure. or Life Aquatic or whatever. Right, right. They're a bit odder uh-huh. for a mainstream audience sometimes. Yeah. But those oddities pop up in Fantastic Mr. Fox, yeah. which is why it's so good, because it's so unique. And also, the, the, the thing we haven't mentioned is the music in Fantastic Mr. Fox is great. It's very, like, bouncy and whistly mm. and all these kind of percussive elements going on throughout the whole score. And it's yeah. just a really... It, it helps detract from the, the, like, dark tone of, oh, we're in mortal peril. And, yeah, it's just really, really good. It helps elevate yeah. everything that you see on screen. I think because it's very childlike and fun, but it's not, like, kiddish. Yeah. It's not, like, silly. No, it's or, adulty. Yeah, exactly. Sure. But it has that innocent quality. Yeah. Like, I think it outlook. commits to what it's going for mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily to be a kids film yes which is why it works really well and something like I said that like the witches suffers from which is mm. they have this really dark tone and they could have gone very adult with it but actually they kind of think oh it's still for kids and then they mess up the tone I think Fantastic Mr Fox is really consistent and really good yeah it's 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 great for me it's great it's up there mm-hmm. big time big time good yeah big time good yeah I'd say it's, it's pretty good mm-hmm I still think Matilda's my favourite, but there you go. That's controversial for me. <laughs> well, no, it's it's hard. Well, what is your favourite then? <sighs> Fantastic Mr Fox. But oh. Matilda and Fantastic Mr Fox are a league above everything else, in my opinion. It's big step ahead. Yeah, big step ahead. Just in terms of the like, the quality of everything, directing, mm. like acting, uh, cinematography. The only one that even comes close is James and the Giant Peach. Really? Yeah, to those two. I see. Well, there's one we haven't really mentioned too much, and mm-hmm. it's kind of jumping back to 1989. Okay. But it's the animated version of the BFG. Oh, yeah. But we... I watched that when I was a kid, but we didn't have it. So I remember watching mm-hmm. it, I think, in, like, school or something. So it's not that nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. But I know that that's quite faithful to the book. And obviously, Roald Dahl, as I said loved it probably because it was quite faithful to the book yeah yeah but i remember really enjoying it Mm -hmm. so but i'm gonna put it in the good camp but i've sort of just tagged it on the end because i know there will people be people who really love the bfg animation will be thinking about it but i haven't personally watched it that much no nor remember it that much but i do remember liking it and from what i've heard it's good so it's one i'm gonna go away and rewatch. Yeah, uh, I'm also in the same camp. I mean, it makes sense because we, we I would have really rewatched it. it. I would have rewatched it, but it's currently not free on anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is a. So it's a bit annoying. annoying. I was like, damn. <laughs> I thought Gosh. maybe it would be on something like Disney or something, mm, but I didn't. I guess find it. yeah, I couldn't find it. But even so, I don't really remember BFG much at all. But I do remember what it looks like. I remember the animation style, mm-hmm. and like to me, it was reminiscent of kind of old British animation mm-hmm. and that's quite nice I think that's quite it's quite a good looking animation but that's all I really have to say about it I can't really remember it too much so mm. I'm in the camp of you just might have to just watch it again yeah you know <laughs> Roald Dahl apparently said that if he had to choose BFG is probably his favourite book so, really mm-hmm. it's quite a nice tale yeah, it's quite dark though you know children getting eaten in the middle of the night by the old uh, monsters whatever they're called the flesh eaters yeah flesh but lumpers. it's like a it's like a... Oh, it's heartwarming between it, her yeah, and the BFG. Heart, yeah, that's right. A big, friendly giant. Exactly. It always made me really sad. I've seen the stage versions of it. Oh, That really? were really good. I remember very clearly seeing that. Somewhere in London when I was been like nine or ten. Do you remember what the BFG, how they did that? Or I think it was all puppeties. Puppet um, which was really good. But yeah. I mean, those are the films really that we have in our selection today. We've already made it through, wow. Most of them are in the good camp. The only ones that make an appearance in the bad camp are, what well, is, the witches, really. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, for me, the new Challenge Rock Factory is, like, on the border. Yeah. It's on the border between bad and good, see. I, I would give it a little bit more credit than you are, mm. um, but I see why you're knocking it down that peg. Hmm. I don't know. There are things I do really like about it, like I've said. Yeah. But then there are things I do appreciate about The Witches as well. I find it difficult. You know, I don't like saying work is bad or good. I mean, what does that mean? It's kind of hard yeah. to, to... But I think you just have it. to define it however you want mm. according to the context of whichever film. Like, it can, yeah. you, can, you can think something's good for different reasons or, you know, not even be necessarily super consistent in your grading criteria or whatever, but, mm. like, just how you feel about that film. Well, what I want to know is, are you going to be wanting to watch any of the new 
Roald Dahl movies that have come out recently. So there's The Witches, there's BFG, which was 2016, I think, Spielberg directed. And then we have seen Matilda the Musical. We've seen that, yeah. And that was good. Mm-hmm. That was good. I have to say, I haven't heard great things about The Witches. I've heard okay things about the BFG. Yeah, I, I heard okay things about the BFG. I didn't even realise until a couple of hours ago that The Witches remake existed. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, actually, last night, sorry, that the remake existed. But... Yeah, there's also, I was scrolling through Fire Device, um, and I saw there was an adaptation of SEO Trot. Yeah, yeah, I've, that was in a list, but I think it's quite an old film. Is it? Yeah. I, I didn't know, like, I didn't know it existed. So... <laughs> well, I want to check out. Yeah, maybe want to check out and SEO Trot. Anyone who's listening, maybe we've missed some obvious uh, adaptations that we've yeah, not yeah, seen yeah. before. Please let us know which we should be watching. You can always do a follow-up Roll Dial episodes and include the BFG once yeah. we, you know, properly watch it or the new witches, mm-hmm. the new BFG. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I so I'm quite surprised they haven't done a flying solo adaptation, like a mm. like an almost almost an uh, biography of Roald Dahl. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of surprised because. You know, there's biopics coming left, right, and centre these days. So, like, yeah. you know, oh, a big writer, I mean, there's, classic. There's thing. still quite a few books that haven't been adapted. Like his big ones, like the Twits hasn't. Yeah. The Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator hasn't. Yeah. So, which, which Charlie and the Chocolate Factory kind of had the glass elevator in it. Yeah. But it didn't. It wasn't really. It wasn't the same thing. Story. Yeah, it wasn't really a thing. <laughs> Who knows? Any filmmakers out there who've optioned the Twits? You know. Yeah. Let me know. This is a question. Yeah. Would you make a role dial adaptation? Would I make if a... you if you could do a feature, for example? If I could do a Roald Dahl adaptation, um, yeah, which one would you do, or would you even do one? The thing is, I wouldn't want to touch Matilda. It's too good. Yeah. I couldn't do a better version. I don't think. No, it's uh, tough to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to touch most of them. Actually, I possibly, if I could do a very cool horror, creepy one, I probably would consider doing the witches. Actually, yeah, that's what I was saying. I mean, it's ripe for. Uh... Cass- horror. Cassie know. is a filmmaking touch. Because <laughs> uh, Robert Zemeckis directed the new one. Ah, uh, okay. And people said that it was apparently just feels like too concerned with like using loads of CGI than like good character and storytelling and oh, creepiness. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, what's nice. But I don't know, I haven't seen it, so that's just what I've heard. And a credit going back, I mean, now that you said that, going back to The Witches, is there's no CGI. No. You know, well, it, no, that's it's, why it's, I said it's, it's, it's main strength. It's yeah. the use of these puppets, even though as a kid, Give yeah. I mean, it's it's really cool how they did all that stuff, mm. and that's what moves it t- towards the good yeah. side. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> it's, it's just the the pacing and the plot and the character decisions, and like so, some of the directing just is, it didn't quite you know come together in that magical way. Yeah, that films need to. Yeah. So yeah, so this is what we've thought about our Roald Dahl adaptations. Yeah, amazing. That we've talked about. Please tell us what your favorite Roald Dahl adaptation is. Yeah. We'd love to know. Uh, Sorry if anyone really loves The Witches from 1990. It's my yeah. bad camp. Yeah. Just about, though. Just about. I think we'll have support in what we say. I, th- I don't think we've made too many controversies. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thanks very much, everyone. We love uh, doing a little great debate. Mm-hmm. We'll see you ripe and ready for the next episode. Next episode, where we're talking about one of my favourite actors in one of my favourite films. Mm. Excellent. So I'm excited. I'm excited too. Help is on the way, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> We're already getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> nice. Bye. Bye. Bye.